Welcome to Elevate the Podcast with Natalie Kavorik. Change has to start somewhere, you know? It's like you have to stand for your convictions. And, and how do you do that in today's society? And Tara Vanderdeusen. You could say, like, these farmers look like they're, you know, throwing a fit about this. But I think all these farmers want is a chance to be able to be at the table around discussions about agriculture. Where we have candid conversations about life, agriculture, and rural entrepreneurship. Welcome to today's episode, you guys. It's the very first of a new Thursday episode from us. You can expect Tara and I to show up from now on in your podcast, wherever you listen to on Thursdays. We're really excited about that. Tara, do you want to maybe kick off today's episode with just a little update of let's just chat about what's been going on the ranch and the farm, the dairy? Yeah, so I think today what I'm sharing about is actually off the dairy. If you follow along in my stories, you probably have been following along with our adventure of getting a new dog. So we actually spent a couple days last week in Waco, Texas. We went and saw Magnolia, the silos, all of the things that Waco has to offer. And we picked up our new puppy that is a half quirky, half mini Aussie mix. Um, It is Guinevere's dog, my oldest daughter. So cute. It's so it's cute. It's so cute. It's a blue merle, I think is how you say it. I, I should probably learn that. And it has blue eyes and it's really, really cute. So um, Guinevere, it's a fun story. Guinevere has been wanting a dog for months and months and months. And Daniel and I have both said no Wait, every time. have you guys ever had a dog like in Guinevere's life? I mean, we have our Great Pyrenees, but that's oh, it. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, yep. But that it is different. Like they're not like super – like they, we love them. They're great family dogs, but they're not like in your house hanging out dogs. Right. So Guinevere wanted more like one that could come inside and hang out with her and just go places with her. So she, Daniel made her a deal that said if she made enough money this summer, she could buy a dog with her own money. Thinking she would never make enough money this summer. Thinking she oh, would never. Daniel, how you underestimate the determination of a woman. Her entrepreneurial spirit was fierce, and she raised enough money in three weeks, thanks to the help of my Instagram story supporters, and sold bracelets that she made um, and got her dog. And they're the cutest bracelets, too. She actually made those for us for Elevate Ag when we recorded the online course. I remember you brought those down to Texas, and I was like, what? And they were so cute. That was like some of her first ones, and she's gotten, I feel like, even more creative. We have OG bracelets. Like, you know how paintings are, like, you have an original Monet? We're like, we have original Guinevere bracelets. Yeah, so, like, make sure you put it in, like, your jewelry box. Keep it safe and sound. For sure. Rue, like, chews on it, actually. She probably shouldn't (laughs) because it's, like, little beads. But he loves to get into my – well, Jax does, too. I'm always like, where did you put my rings? Um, They love to play in my jewelry stuff. So it's it's definitely not in a glass case. Sorry, Guinevere. It's a, she'll she'll forgive you. Uh, so that's that's our like life update right now. I think we're like you know doing the whole like potty training a puppy, getting up in the night, you know all the fun things that come with the puppies. Um, so that's pretty much consuming our life. Anything exciting on the dairy that you want to share? Or update us on. Um, actually, yes. I feel like maybe now is as good time of any. We have been working, especially my brother-in-law, my oldest brother-in-law has been working like very hard on a project, um, installing solar panels on our dairy farm and construction started just a week ago on putting in the solar panels in the pasture in front of our dairy and our dairy barn will be 100% solar powered. I know it's so neat. I actually got to see it when I visited you guys in New Mexico when we were down there. Um, so that was really fun and cool to see. I actually got to see the whole, I mean, I 
feel like I should just talk about my personal experience. I'm just going to stop you from talking because I have never <laughs> Okay, Natalie, what been... is your far ranch update? Well, this doesn't even have to do with my update, so we can still keep talking yours. But I have – I mean, yours dairy was the first dairy I've ever set foot on, and you were so shocked about that. And I was like, okay, listen, I grew up in Montana. There are not – it's not a dairy community up there. So I don't know. I learned a lot. Dan took me through the dairy. It was really neat to have him kind of explain some things and just see – I don't know, a dairy in real life, like firsthand. I don't know why it surprised me so much. When you got out of the car, you were like, I've never seen a dairy cow. Yeah. I just like, I guess I think of like beef, like obviously we don't have beef cows, but I've seen, been around yeah. plenty of beef cows. Um, so it was just like so funny, but it goes to show you how little within agriculture, we actually don't know that much about each other and each other's businesses and like all things ag. I talk about that all the time because that was one of the first reasons I was actually super nervous to advocate is because I felt like I had very limited exposure to, I grew up in the registered um, industry and I feel like I knew that, but I had, I didn't know feedlot, the feedlot sector. I didn't even know commercial when I married my husband very well. And so um, thinking about all of like how vast the agriculture industry really is, it made me very nervous to start kind of like using my voice in it, which I think a lot of people actually struggle with and looking back. Um, it, it feels silly and small, but I remember being in that moment being like, my voice is not equipped for this. I have to agree with you. Even covering all of dairy, like dairy within itself, probably just like any ranch, any type of operation, it's so different. Like dairy farming in New Mexico versus like dairy farming in New York state, like could not be more different. So it's just a scary feeling of being able to like share about ag and feeling like you're representing ag. But like you're just one tiny voice, you know, that's just your it's your story. And yet you feel like the the weight of such a bigger industry, such a bigger community. Mm-hmm. So what is your ranch update then? Um, well, I feel like I should probably share about when we were down with you guys. I kind of just talked about how we got to spend time on the dairy. But the original reason we went down was because every and anyone with any parent with age gaps would maybe relate to this. But Luke and I kind of had a very intentional conversation a couple of years ago that we're like, we feel like we have a lot of time left with our littles and less time with Tad, our older child. So we kind of wanted to focus less on like family vacations and more on maybe some like individual vacations with Tad where we could just, you know, have memories with just him before he leaves us for college and never returns again <laughs> ever to see us. So Tad loves to golf. If you follow me, you know that. And so a couple of years ago, Luke and I decided that that's what we would do with Tad once a year is we would be very committed to taking Tad somewhere. It didn't have to be far, could be far, just making sure we carved out like three days to go somewhere to do something with Tad that he loves. And so this year we thought it'd be really fun. Tad's going to be a junior in high school. So we thought it'd be kind of fun. Obviously a lot can change from now until when he graduates but we thought it'd be fun to tie kind of our golf trip with Tad into maybe a place that he would be interested in college. And so we went down and we, the guys golfed in Lubbock, Texas, and we looked at Texas Tech, which I told you, I was like, that is a beautiful campus. I was astounded. The architecture, I just thought it was a lovely campus. And so we did that. And then um, the guys golfed and I, you came down and picked me up and we went to the, to the lake and we recorded some episodes for the podcast and just did some business stuff, which was really fun. So it was like a perfect vacation. Well, it was a perfect vacation for Luke and Tad because they got to golf um, and do all that. <laughs> things that they want to do in the lake. And then I got to do as an unhealthy type three, I still got to do a little bit of work on my vacation. 
So I actually love that you do this with Tad because one of my favorite trips with my parents, like I'm one, I'm number two of four kids. So you didn't get to do like trips with your parents very often, like alone. But one of my favorite trips was visiting the University of Arizona, which is where I ended up going to school. And so I loved having that time with them to like explore the campus. And so I, I'm like so excited for Tad. I'm also, I'm really, really pulling for Texas Tech for Tad so that you can come down and visit all the time. I know we had that conversation before. I was like, do you think it'd be weird if I just like live part with you and part with Tad when he leaves for college down here? I know. I'm like, please pick Texas Tech. Yeah. Well, we'll see. Yeah. It was a, it was a very fun trip. So do you want to move in? So another thing we want to start doing on Thursdays is what we're calling our weekly obsession where one of us kind of picks something to share about that we've either like currently been in love with, or maybe we've been doing it for a long time and just haven't shared with you guys, but we're calling it our weekly obsession. So maybe we should move into enough, enough update. Maybe we should talk about our obsessions. Yeah. And my obsession, I like, it's kind of, I'm embarrassed to tell you this. (laughs) Oh my gosh. So (laughs) my weekly obsession, I went to the silos, like Magnolia at the silos. And if you've ever been their bakery, like the Magnolia bakery is so good. We bought a half a dozen cupcakes and these are not like standard cupcakes. These are like oversized extra frosting special cupcakes. And I like the way cupcakes should be. Yeah. Like, like really cool flavors. So we got the summer box. So it was all sorts of different, like uh, creamsicles and like strawberries and cream. So the embarrassing part is, is I brought you two cupcakes for you to try. And when I was driving to Lubbock to pick you up, I got really hungry and I ate one oh my <laughs> on my drive in the car. So you only You got... did not tell me that when I was I down there. That's hilarious. <laughs> I know. And then I was still hungry. I think the first thing you said when you got in the car, I was like, hey, do you want to eat? And you were like, I don't care. And I was like, well, I, I do care. I'm going to eat. So yeah, I ate one of your cupcakes. I'm sorry, but that's how good they were. They were so good. I couldn't have them sitting in my car and not eat one while... But I still saved one for you. So, you know. Did, do you think it's, so I want to ask this. I wonder, do you think it's weird that, like, what percentage, I'm so curious, everyone listening, have you been to Magnolia? Like, I have not, you had not until last week when you went and picked up Huey. Do you think that's odd? Are we the outliers? I don't know. I was wondering the same thing. I don't think we are. Okay. I would say I don't think we are with an ag. I, for some reason, I don't think there's like as big of a draw. Maybe I'm way off on this. But I have an aunt that lives in San Jose, California. Actually, two aunts that live in San Jose, California. Big city, like Bay Area. They have both gone to Dallas, drove down to Waco and seen it. I wonder if it's almost more a draw for people from like the city. I don't know. That like aren't involved in ag. And then like, I do think it like it really their show appealed to lots of people, obviously. But I don't know. Because I had never been and I didn't have a strong desire to go. Like if we weren't picking up the puppy, I don't know that I would have been like, yep, I'm going to carve out like three days to drive to Waco and go see the silos. Yeah, I don't, I have, I have yet to do that. So yeah, you'll have to, if you guys have been or haven't been, whatever your opinion is, um, share it in stories and tag us. We'd love to get feedback on what you guys think of the silos. at Magnolia. And now, you know, if you haven't been. Or also maybe tag if you also have a cupcake obsession. And if you haven't been and are going, now you know that the cupcakes are one of the things you need to hit. So I also have an uncle who lives in Southern California, big city again. He's been, and his number one recommendation was also the cupcakes. So that's why we went, and it was it did not oh. disappoint. There's like literally a line to get them, and we like waited in line and got. What's them. the draw? Like the unique flavors, or what is the like? Why are they so great? 
I, they just taste really good. The frosting's really good. It's better. I don't. Than I wouldn't know. You ate mine. That's interesting to hear. What? Please tell me because you ate mine. So the one I ate was really good. It was like chocolate frosting and like yellow cake. I it like there wasn't. It's not like that exciting. Like this one was, I think, called the classic or something. The one I ate of yours, but it was just like a, it was very like classically. Is that supposed good. to make me feel better? <laughs> like don't. I'm not sure. Don't worry. So I ate sorry. a bland flavor. It was just an original of yours. Don't feel bad I, at all. Yeah. I saved you like the strawberry and cream one. Like that's a cool flavor. That was one of their summer flavors. So you're welcome. Okay. So now I think if that, if we're good on the cupcakes and me eating them all, um, yeah. let's maybe move on to some industry news. Yes. Yeah, so this is one of the, uh, kind of the main features we want to do on these new Thursday episodes is either share kind of some agriculture news, something that's going on in the industry that we want to kind of lend our voice to, or I don't know, just talk about, or kind of bring the business shot episodes where you guys would ask us kind of questions about like entrepreneurship or online business building, you know, some of those topics here as well. So that's kind of the meat of what these Thursday episodes will be. So Tara, do you want to kick off this week's going to be an industry news? Tara, do you want to kick off kind of what we're talking about? Yeah, so this week we are talking about the Dutch farmers in the Netherlands protesting the nitrogen emissions, like the government has imposed reductions on nitrogen emissions, and Dutch farmers have been protesting. This one, we both, Natalie and I, had received multiple DMs from you guys asking us to talk about this, get our thoughts, share, and... On top of that, this also is like near and dear to my heart as my family is still located in the Netherlands. My dad, um, his first cousin still dairy farms in the Netherlands. So strong connections, agriculture in Holland. Yes. So I'll be the first to start this out by saying I'm we're not experts. We're just lending our conversation to it. And I actually hadn't done a I was shocked. Tara, you told me that this is actually the protest that originally started Two years ago, at the end of 2019, when there was talk of this change, like this environmental law being made, and that now the protests are kind of, I don't know if they're like, I guess you say back again, because it passed, correct? That's the way I understand it. So it started in 2019 with them proposing to reduce nitrogen emissions. I think it was like by up to 60% by 2030, which is huge. And it was also about like construction. Like if you wanted so to I'd- add... I'm looking at an article and I just want to say the article I'm looking at, it says 50%. So I'll okay. keep looking while you're talking, but I just want to make sure we're not I don't know, giving a wrong percentage. Yeah. So in 2019, a, a lot of it was about construction. Like if you wanted to build or do something new, you had to do soil sampling and depending on how much nitrogen was in the soils, it could limit like what you were able to construct. And so that's what that started. And you had not seen the pictures from that 2019 protest until we were researching for this and you were shocked. I mean, you're talking like the entire interstate or what would be like our interstate's highways were completely flooded with tractors. I mean, I guess just all sorts of different types of farm equipment, trailers, trucks and trailers just to protest. I mean, it's incredible how together the farmers joined together for this protest. Like, I don't know if we'd have that kind of like overarching support I mean, obviously, the Netherlands is a small country as in relation to size. Um, so I think that that probably was like added to that you're in close proximity to each other. Whereas in the United States, if we were all going to like protest Washington, D.C., that could be like thousands of miles for some of us. Um, but it just was very powerful. When you see the pictures of the amount of tractors, it's crazy. Yes. So I was shocked um, because like you said, 
the amount and the distance. It actually kind of reminded me of the convoys that were going on in Canada during that, which for me was also, I don't know, when you see something visually, a lot of the the content from that also, I don't know, how, I guess how to properly explain my emotions, but it just kind of like stopped me in my tracks um, yes. because it is so kind of jarring to see community. And that is one thing I wanted to talk about, I guess my opinion about this, but I, I will circle back to what I said before. I pulled up a couple different articles while you're talking and I've yeah. seen varying percentages reported. So I don't know the actual, uh, and we did try to find this earlier before the episode, like the actual link to the law and we couldn't even find it in all the so uh, I was websites say, we were looking at but fast forward to 2022 the protests right now are about reducing emissions of nitrous oxide and ammonia produced by livestock and those cuts will happen by 2030 and some cuts could reach as much as 70 percent in some areas under some of the plants so it does seem like it kind of varies depending on it sounds like where you're at what you're doing and they said like i mean this has the potential to like force farms to shut down they have to use less fertilizer and they actually have to reduce their livestock numbers yeah, I actually, I wish I had the article that I was reading earlier that there was a governing, I don't know the person's position, but he basically said some farms won't continue on, period, end of story. Like very emotionless about how drastic this will affect the farming community. Yeah, and this isn't new. Like as a person who has family in ag in the Netherlands, like they constantly have been under lots of different things. You know, they have quota systems, they have there's just a lot of regulation that they fall under. So this is just another added step ban that the, you know, regulation the government's putting on them. And it's gotten very heated. So as of July 6th, there were actually like police shot firearms at one of the tractors driving through. So like this is, has escalated and has become like a very serious protest. Yeah. So what is, I guess, your thoughts on it, how they're handling it, what's going on? I mean, do you have a personal opinion, especially with family over there? Yeah, I think my personal opinion is maybe like a little bit broader of a perspective than just this protest. I think that the EU really frustrates me. I think the EU is really bad about solving local climate issues and creating global climate issues, which I know you and I have talked a lot about. Yes, I feel like we talk in depth about this because it's something I'm super passionate about too that I don't feel like enough conversation or weight is put on that conversation. Yeah, and like one example is in the EU, you're not allowed to grow like GMO crops but then they just import GMO crops from Brazil. And so I'm just like, you didn't, like, you're not solving a problem. And you're, you're saying like, oh, we don't believe in GMOs, but we do as long as they're produced in another country. And I feel like this is almost similar in the sense that it's like, you're not, it. I don't think people are changing their diets. They're not stopping eating meat. They're not stopping drinking milk. So you're just going to import and hurt your own farmers by importing these products. If, that, if you have to reduce livestock and you're not, like if people are still consuming meat and, and dairy, then you're just putting those emissions onto another country essentially, instead of trying to work within your own system to make it better. Yeah, I think stuff like this is very interesting for me because I also think it's, and we had kind of had this conversation, but I think it's important or at least interesting, or I don't know the right word, but to think about what, um, if we do, if, you know, the Netherlands is decreased in agriculture, then what does that do to like importation and exportation for the rest of us? Kind of like we're saying localized versus global and not just for, I mean, what you were talking about is for what they're trying to curb, right? So if they're, trying to cut down on ammonia emissions are they just raising in other areas of the world you know because they're not they're now exporting or import importing it 
Um, But I think even going a step back and not just talking about that, but just about what they export that we need. You know what I'm saying? Like the whole exportation, importation, the whole map, like the whole system of it. What does it change if a major player, because agriculture is a pretty significant part of the Dutch economy. So if that is, you know, curbed down, one, what what is the Dutch economy replacing? What are those jobs? What's that economy look like? And then two, what's it look like to everyone else's economy that's reliant upon the Dutch agriculture? Well, and like, I think about this, I've had this conversation with you and others online. When we share about our advocacy posts, a lot of times we use US numbers for emissions. And we often hear like, oh, you I'll get like, feedback from like activists or others, like you need to be using global emissions, because the numbers are very different. US has the lowest carbon footprint for a gallon of milk in the world. And so my argument is always, instead of using global numbers, let's look at United States as a, you know, what we could be doing, like, okay, this is how we could. And so European countries, the same, they're a developed nation, they're a developed continent, they should be saying, okay, well, we're not going to get rid of ag, we're going to make ag better. Because if you it's a country like the Netherlands that does a really good job producing animal-based proteins, then puts it to a developing country that maybe doesn't have the same regulations. They're not only pushing off the emissions that they normally would have created, but they may actually be compounding the problem because if you're cutting down like a rainforest in Brazil to produce more dairy or beef to send to the Netherlands, like that is like you are compounding the problem, not just like eliminating emissions in the Netherlands. Does that make sense? Oh, absolutely. And so I just, it's so much, it, I know that I think you and I say this all the time. It's always so much more complicated than people like it to be. Yes. And that's the problem with it is that people want it to be black and white and they want it to be neatly wrapped up in a package bow where it's like, here's our problem. Here's the solution. Here's our mathematical X, Y, Z equation makes sense. And it's nice. And agriculture is just a whole lot of gray area to me. It is complicated it is intricate it is important it it is just it's not that simple yeah and I think so I think what I would love to see happen if anyone's if anyone's asking my opinion um I think (laughs) instead (laughs) I would love to see them say okay farmers we want to work with you what can we do different how can we make improvements how can we be a model for the rest of the world to say this is how we do agriculture and we do it better than anyone That's what I'd love to see instead of, oh, we're just going to cut emissions, even if that means we lose farms, because again, those emissions are just going to be pushed somewhere else. That's, I I think that this could be done so much better and be a conversation instead of just regulation. I was just going to say they're having the wrong conversation and that's the problem. Yes. Agreed. So that's my thought. It'll be interesting to follow, you know, of what actually happens. It'll be interesting to see, you know, if what comes of these protests, if they do remain, you know, they've been pretty, they've been pretty peaceful protests until now or not until now, but there was, you just said that incidents where there was like shots fired or exchanged. Um, yes. And I don't, I don't know the exact Detail. circumstances, but it'll be interesting to see since it kind of, that's kind of the first tipping point of maybe from non-peaceful yes. into or from peaceful into non-peaceful, it'll be interesting to see if they, you know, the farmers continue on, if they scale back a little bit, if they change their approach, like what, I mean, again, from these pictures, and if you guys haven't seen pictures, we're going to go ahead to our Elevate Ag Instagram page because we'll share um, in the poster and stories um, so you guys can kind of see, but there's there's a lot going on social media, but I mean, it's well, it's well attended. They're very passionate about this. They, they're, I feel like they're not going to back down. So it'll be interesting to see how they change their tactics or like what their plan is moving forward. 
Yeah, I agree. And, like, so the first protest in 2019, I'll say, they drove to, like, The Hague, which is, like, the center of government in the Netherlands. And this time they're blockading supermarkets. So it, it just will be interesting to see um, how it develops, how they continue their strategy, and if they, like, are invited to the table. Like, I think right. you could say, like, these farmers look like they're, like, you know, throwing a fit about this. But I think all these farmers want is a chance to be able to be at the table around discussions about agriculture, which is not asking a lot. They should be given that right. Absolutely. And it's interesting because you said that it looks like they're not, you know, like throwing a fit or not handling it well, or they're, you know, it's negatively portrayed for them. But like change has to start somewhere, you know, it's like you have to stand for your convictions. And and how do you do that in today's society, which is like a whole nother conversation. But I'm just I'm really interested to continue following along with this and seeing, like you said, you know, what actually happens at the end of the day when it comes to, to the lawmaking rules as well, which is, you know, obviously the biggest picture. I agree. So I don't know. That kind of wraps up industry news for me on this Thursday. Yeah, sounds good. Let's move on to the last bit of segment. So you guys know moving forward, all of our Thursday segments will kind of wrap up with a community recipe. So we would love for to source those from you guys. We want you to send them in, whether that's through email or our Instagram pages tagging us. But um, we would we kind of just we think that's something obviously food is agriculture or part of it. And uh, we're passionate about that. And food, I feel like food is a connection for everyone. So we want to start this community recipe segment. So this week, we're starting out with one from Tara's mom. But moving forward, we'd love, like we said, if anyone is listening, has something they want to share. Maybe it's tied to what they specifically grow. Like maybe you, you know, raise potatoes and you have a very good potato recipe you want to send in or something or maybe not maybe it's just a family recipe or whatever it is we'd love for you guys to send it in so we can share it on the podcast so Tara do you want to kind of talk about your mom's recipe yes so today we're going to be sharing my mom's quiche recipe and it has a little bit of a funny story my mom so if you guys follow Tara's stories at all you know that Tara's mom Wendy the fact that it's a quiche that we're sharing is just it's so on brand for Wendy very on brand for my mom. Um, so, but if you talk with my mom, she'll tell you she was not always the best student growing up. And so she took a high school French class and she was not doing well in the class at all. And one of the final assignments was you had to cook something like a French recipe. And she made this quiche and she brought her grade up like two grade points with this quiche. So, oh my God. It so is she's like, like super proud of it. Yeah. It's her claim to fame. Yeah. So it's super easy. She actually um, will share it on our Instagram post so you can get the exact recipe. But it has um, Swiss cheese. It has like, I think there is 12 pieces of bacon in each one. Like it's so good. Egg, heavy cream. She actually just used pre-made pie crust. So you do not have to make your own pie crust and it still tastes amazing. Being in New Mexico, we actually add green chili to ours. Of course to you it, do. Like, little, I know. It's you just, guys are like, needed. what can we add green chili to? Everything great. Everything. We'll just add it. I don't think there's a single thing that green chili can't go on. So it can absolutely go in quiche. Um, I don't know that the French intended that, but New Mexico did. So we, she has green chili. And what's really great about this recipe is a lot of times she will actually make them the night before, cook them, bake them, everything the night before. And then the morning of like if we're going to church or if it's like a holiday, like Mother's Day, Father's Day, she just heats them up in the oven. So it's amazing. Like make the day before, have it first thing in the morning recipe. Yeah, I love that. Highly recommend. I think that's my favorite thing besides the cheese and bacon portion is that you can make it the night before. 
Absolutely. So we will post that. Her The recipe, I'm going to show the recipe. It's actually the recipe card that she wrote on in high school. So it's really cute. It's her handwriting. It's like one of those oh, ones I need to like frame. So. I love that. That's amazing. Yes. I know. I was actually thinking myself the other day because one of the family recipes that is on a cart. Anyway, my grandma has waffle recipe and my mom is really good about writing them all down. And I have recipes in my mom's handwriting. And I was like, my kids have nothing in my handwriting on recipe cards. And so I was like, I feel like I need to, I'm not sure boys would care about that as much as, as females. Maybe they would. I do want a chef for a son, but I was thinking the other day, I was like, I should start writing my recipes down on recipe cards more. Well, I don't I know we've had this conversation before about our handwriting. I hate my handwriting. Like I oh, hate same. It. Oh, it's a struggle every day. I have to look at it. My handwriting, not yours. It makes it sound like I hate <laughs> I hate yours. And you know, no, I hate, hate my own. Oh my gosh. Yes, I know. Me too. And I love my grandmother's handwriting and I love my mom's handwriting. And I just feel like I'm like, mm, I'm like the dud of the family when it comes to handwriting. And so I just like hate it. I will have had times where I've literally had my mom write something. If it was something I wanted to keep because I could not stand to look at my handwriting. So I think I have to somehow get over that to be able to like write down recipe cards. Sure, we can work. We'll work on that. I'll be like, we'll a work on that. Personal, personal yes. development. Deal with our handwriting. Yes, mark it down. Well, all right. Well, that's it. It is. So, everyone, thank you for tuning in. Hopefully, you love these conversations as much as we do because they're coming to you every Thursday. <laughs> <laughs> um, and we'll still have our Tuesday ones where we interview people. So, look forward to those as well. Yeah. And if you enjoyed today's episode, I hope that you will take a screenshot, share it to your stories, tag us, let us know what you thought of today's episode. Let us know your favorite part, favorite segment, share those recipes. And um, like we said, let us know if you've been to the silos, haven't been. We want to hear all the feedback from you guys about today's episode. All right. We'll see you next week.